Introducing Bluehost Cloud, ultra-fast WordPress hosting with 100% uptime. Want a website with unmatched power, speed, and control? Of course you do. And now you can have all three with Bluehost Cloud, the new web hosting plan from Bluehost. With 100% uptime and incredibly speedy load times, your WordPress websites will be dependable and lightning fast on a global scale. Plus, your sites can handle even the biggest traffic spikes without going down or lagging. And with Bluehost Cloud, you get 24-7 WordPress priority support, meaning you're connected to WordPress experts anytime you need them. Not to mention, you automatically get daily backups and world-class security. So, what are you waiting for? Get Bluehost Cloud today by visiting bluehost.com. That's bluehost.com. There's a place here at the table. Your coats go by the door. You can kick your shoes off in that pile on the floor. I hope you wore elastic, because your waistband's going to get tight. Take time's done with Hi guys. I'm so hey. Oh, and I'm Ari. <laughs> and you're listening to Having a Night. The podcast dedicated to reviving the lost art of the dinner party, but really it's so much more. I kind of think we should change our tagline. Ooh. What could it be? Well, maybe we want to even cut podcast. The true. The brand, the lifestyle people. The lifestyle platform <laughs> dedicated to um, Oh God. It's ugly. It's terrible. Well, let's yeah. think about that. Uh, hey, listeners, if you have advertising experience, it, you know, tell us what you think our new tagline should be. Okay. We don't have to have advertising experience. Sorry, <laughs> somebody was like texting me as I was trying to say that, and I. Anyway, all right, it's getting off on the right foot here. <laughs> yes, it is. Hold on, Ari is frozen. Are you still in food coma from Thanksgiving? I am weirdly not still in a food coma from Thanksgiving. I feel like I didn't eat that much this Thanksgiving, which is something I never thought I would say. We did it really as a lunch. So we ate at like 2.30 or 3. So by the time Mm. 8 p.m. rolled around, I was like not that hungry. And P.S., my dad didn't send me home with any leftovers. So it wasn't like I could have, you know, my midnight snack. I, I just didn't eat dinner, which is really shocking. Thanks a lot, dad. Are you still in a food coma? No, I too did not eat a lot, but but I was just like very exhausted. It was my first Thanksgiving cooking for um, a client. So I was just kind of on my feet cooking all day and the day before. And by the time I was done, I was just like, uh, I had taken a day quill. I was on some antibiotics. I was like, all I want to do is curl up in bed. I did eat a lot of mashed potatoes. That was kind of what sounded the most soothing to me. Totally. However, my turkey, I spatchcocked it. I posted on our Instagram. It turned out perfectly. Like, and it was so simple. The hardest part was spatchcocking it. Yeah. I mean, it it looks gorgeous. I feel like it must've been so, did you get to taste any of the turkey or because you were cooking for a client? You did. You taste a little. I did. I did. Of course I did. I have have to taste everything. It's part of the job. I mean, eventually you're going to be one of those chefs who has like just a million spoons. You know, they're always like dipping a spoon Mm -hmm. in. Mm -hmm. That's right. Oh, I just had a really good idea for a present for you. Maybe I'll oh. do it. Oh, cool. 
Oh, one of the other great things about spatchcocking a turkey in particular is that you immediately you get um, the backbone to make gravy simultaneously. Oh, nice. That's such a cool. Usually you're like, oh God, I got to go buy like extra turkey or like turkey wings or like go ask the butcher for like the neck and the backbone. I don't want to do that. But then you just kind of have that automatically. And I made this incredible gravy just with, you know, some stock that I had pre-made, but the, I roasted the backbone and and the giblets and all this stuff. Is it giblets or giblets? I hope it's giblets. I think I say giblets. You do. It's such a fun word. Giblets. Giblets. Don't you think? (laughs) Yeah. It should really describe um, something much cuter than giblets. Yeah. But they were, it was delicious. It made a really, really dark, like mm-hmm. unctuous, rich gravy. So wow. proud of it. Um, was there anything else on your menu that you felt was like a standout that you haven't cooked before or had on a Thanksgiving? I made mac and cheese and I never, I was never a, a mac and cheese on Thanksgiving person. So that was, I know it's a big thing for many people as we discussed on last week's show. So that was fun. I had to trial run that recipe a few times before I got the consistency where I wanted it because it, it was the baked, not stovetop. So right. I th- it's, you right, know, right. it's hard to keep it all silky and moist inside and then get the crunchy top. Yeah. That key is but that bechamel baby. That's right. About that bechamel. Well, I'm so glad that it was a success. Hooray. And also this Thanksgiving sort of feels like, you know, in terms of neither of us eating as much as we usually would on Thanksgiving, it's like, eh, this Thanksgiving, it's all a wash this year. So next year in many ways. Exactly. We actually had capon for our bird instead of a turkey, which was fantastic. I mean, the flavor is so different, but if you guys don't know what a capon is, it is a male chicken meaning it's not a, it's not a hen, it's a male, but it's not it's a, a rooster. rooster. It's, a, it's a castrated oh. rooster, I believe. But once again, don't quote me on that. Anyway. That beautiful God. tenor voice. It's <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> a counter tenor. Um, anyway, it was very delicious. Highly recommend cooking a capon if you have never cooked one because it's bigger than a turkey. I'm sorry, bigger than a chicken. Definitely not bigger than a turkey. Bigger than chicken, smaller than a turkey, and just the flavor is excellent. I think the meat has a lot of fat in it because it's castrated. Um, Interesting. So, yeah. Oh, that makes sense. That makes sense. Not getting those female hormones or those male hormones to keep, sorry, it's not getting those male hormones to, yeah, keep it thin. Not getting that tea. Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. Anyway, so let's talk about who we have on as a guest this week. This week, we have on a very special guest, a big name in the world of new, delicious, sustainable, chic, cool olive oils, Aishwarya Iyer. She founded Brightland. She's, I mean, an, just an incredible person. She, Sophie, what did she start out as? She was working in venture capital, I think. She had had a bunch of, obviously, other jobs before starting Brightland, the most recent one, which was VC, which I also kind of feel like gives you a background, obviously as an entrepreneur, for talking about these things in a different way. Like mm-hmm. because her background was not in food and wine, I think her approach is really unique and like quite different from a lot of the other people that we usually yes. have on. Yes, so true. And she's able to uh, to approach this brand with I don't, a really fresh set of eyes and just an, yeah really interesting, streamlined approach. But if you haven't heard of Brightland yet, which I would be shocked if any of our listeners hadn't, because I'm sure they've been targeted on Instagram, Facebook, whatever. It's very 
very on brand for us. It's absolutely gorgeous. It's beautiful. It's all made in California. And Aishwarya was, you know, like many of us, upset with the quality of the olive oil that she was getting to cook with. And she was also, she'll explain it to you guys, but she was experiencing some stomach problems and she did a little research and opened up this crazy world of corruption and and deregulation or just kind of non-regulation and olive oil just going rancid and being not actually olive oil and decided she could make her own better. And let me tell you, I've been using it for about six months. I'm obsessed. It's delicious. It's beautiful. She's now doing vinegars as well. It's a great brand. She's set up this community online. They have guest chefs. The recipes are awesome. You might see one from ours truly at some point. That's Ashwarya. So listen up, enjoy, and we'll see you on the other side. Woohoo, here we are. So we're here with Ashwarya from Brightland. Olive oils, vinegars, recipes, all kinds of stuff that Ari and I, of course, are beyond excited about. I want to dive right into the kind of olive oil that you guys are making because you are doing Californian olive oil. And as somebody who was not working in the food and beverage industry before starting this company, how did you decide on Californian? What kind of olives are you guys using? Your farmers, your partners, like how did you find these people? Because of course, in my other life that I want to be living, I'm like an olive oil purveyor. So, so tell us everything. Yes. So I think it might be helpful to zoom back and talk about like why I decided to do this. And as you said, Sophie, like I didn't come from food. So I was working in tech and, you know, on on the marketing and communication side. And I lived in New York and never cooked, was always like eating outside and just enjoying New York's thousands of restaurants. And eventually I got into a serious relationship and both my partner and I were like, okay, let's start cooking more. And we kept getting these awkward stomach aches, like embarrassing belly aches. And we thought, Uh Bread. We thought it was cheese and we weren't telling each other either. Um, and eventually we're like, yeah, my stomach's starting to hurt too every time we cook. So we were cutting things out that we thought could be um, the culprit. And eventually the only constant that was left was the cooking oil we were using. And in our case, it was olive oil. So until then, I had never given olive oil a second thought. I didn't know what brand we were even using. You know, it was in some tin thing. I decided to do some research on it, very rudimentary, like Googling. And what I found out was that there is a tremendous amount of fraud happening at a global scale in the olive oil industry from like a quality standpoint, from a like taste standpoint, from a freshness standpoint. That's like a huge Mm -hmm. issue. And olive oil should be tasted like fresh. And it's very much like a living, breathing thing, kind of like wine. And yet we've kind of stripped away a lot of that nuance and sort of think of it as this thing that you can keep in your pantry forever. So I had to be educated. And so like, I was like reading a ton, got kind of obsessed with this issue. And at first I was sort of like, okay, maybe there's a solution in Italy or in Greece. And like my mind immediately, because I was living in New York at the time too. So my mind immediately went to Europe. And then when we moved to California, I was working at at a startup, also had nothing to do with food. But I started visiting olive farms here in California. A couple of friends here in LA were like, oh, there are amazing farmers here in California doing some incredible things and creating really beautiful, you know, wine, but also olive oil. And so I started visiting some olive farmers just to like 
understand and, and see how they're doing things. And I was so excited that these are small scale farms. They're not getting these like huge subsidies. They're practicing regenerative agriculture. They're all doing it organically. It's beautiful, like gorgeous product. And it reminded me of the wine industry from the seventies in California, like California was not on the global scale at all. And people were sort of dubious and like unsure about the quality. It sort of reminded me of that like early days. And I thought that there was really something there. And that was the genesis for, you know, how can we champion and like lift up this, this oil that's coming from California. Back to the the fraud and uh, that's happening. We've heard a bit about that before. It's super crazy, intriguing. Like, you never think that something as basic and heavily used in kitchens all over the world as an olive oil is so kind of unregulated. And of course it is. I mean, there's just probably barrels just sitting in cellars or basements somewhere forever going rancid. What is the freshness window? The most important thing when you buy a bottle of olive oil, no matter where you buy it from, is to understand what the harvest date is. So the harvest date tells you when the olive oil was actually made. And a lot of products in the supermarkets, if you look at them, you'll like look all over, there won't be a harvest date, which I think is crazy. So they're not telling you when it was made and they just have this like arbitrary best by date. But if you know the harvest date, you can say, okay, this was made in um, or, you know, harvested in November of 2019. That's going to be good until around May of 2021 unopened bottle. So around like 18, 19 months, once it's opened, I always tell people like try to use it in three-ish months if you can, once it's open. Wow. Do you notice now that you've been in this world for a while, do you really notice a difference in an olive oil when you've just opened it versus like three or four months later? Like, can you really taste the disintegration of that freshness? I would say three to four months after opening, it's not as profound, but um, you can really taste the difference from, let's say we were to open a bottle of like 2018 harvest, which technically it's best by date was like spring of this year. But if we were to open that now, we would be able to tell a huge difference between that and something from the most recent harvest, which was 2019. Like and what are the things, what are the flavors that disappear? Is it like that, that greenness, that really grassy quality? Okay. Yeah, that's exactly it. You lose, and, and I love that you called it that green and grassy because so many people who've never tried like real high quality olive oil are like, oh yeah, it kind of like tastes like butter or it doesn't taste like much. Or that's why I add a lot of oregano. No, exactly. Like it has to have a lot of depth. It should be grassy and herbaceous and green. It should taste sort of like a farm almost, or like as if you're sort of like standing in a field um, because it's only products. If it's, you know, if it's not a flavored oil, if it's just olive oil, the only product is olive and that's a fruit. So right. it should taste like that. And if you're trying something that's rancid or maybe from the supermarket, you're just grabbing it off the shelf and it's, you know, three years old and it's sitting in this plastic container where the lights are shining in. At that point, it starts tasting like kind of like waxy, crayony. Um, I love that both of you are nodding because you know that taste too. Yeah. Yeah. We're also, yeah, we're very into olive oils. So you have, you, you're talking to two obsessives. We get it. Yeah. <laughs> Well, it's just like, why, why use olive oil? I'm always saying that to people. If you're not buying nice olive, like just use, use a, a canola oil or something. If you don't care, use a well, neutral oil. But it's also like, there's no shame in using a neutral oil. Like a no. neutral oil can be great. A lot of chefs even 
prefer to use a neutral oil in a salad dressing because they're like, sometimes that olive oil, if it's a good olive oil, has so much flavor that sometimes you you want to highlight the other flavors, right? So yeah. it's like, you know, there's no shame in using a neutral oil, but if you're going to do olive oil, then get something good because it should taste like something, what you're I saying. So, right. And I also think there's a lot of education around like the types, there are hundreds of types of olives that can be made into olive oil. And so because of that, you can actually find like olive oils that are high quality, but have like a buttery, a little more almost neutral so that you can bake with it. Mm -hmm. So you can Mm -hmm. find olive profiles and olive blends that ultimately result in different tastes and flavor profiles. And so that was something with Brightland, like we felt really, I felt really strongly about shining a spotlight on that. Like I had no idea before this. Right. And so when I learned that, I was like, I really want to tell that story in some way. So when we launched, we launched with two olive oils, one with a certain type of olive blend and the other with a different type of olive blend resulting in different characteristics. One of them is better for like, you know, soups and stews and pastas. And the other one is better for like salads because it's a little more rounded and even better for like baking. Mm -hmm. So that was the the thinking behind it. So I think there's nuance in um, in the within the olive oil world too for like flavors. I was looking. So it looks like one of them is monocultivar and the other one is a blend. What kind of olives are you using? And how many olive you know mixes did you go through before deciding on that? Oh my gosh. I was picking between so many farms, not that the farms were like thrilled to work with some random lady. Right. So like (laughs) farms before Brightland was anything, like I was just this lady showing up with like a bag being like, hi, like, I'd love to do this project. And I think people were like, okay. Um, But ultimately we had a few farms that we were, you know, I was like kind of picking between and, and talking to, and each of them had different blends. Each of them have are from different parts of California. So the, that affected like the land and the terroir affected the oil but ultimately um we probably tried like more than a dozen types of blends and flavors before resulting in like what we have now um and even this we ultimately are chasing the land and the sun right and so in the middle of the year we may switch we have switched olive blends before because there's no more like crop left yeah yield from, from that previous harvest. And so I always tell our, like, we always tell our customers, like, we're very transparent about that. Like, this is never going to be a, um, almost like a factory style, like stamping the same thing, you know, thousands and thousands of them. That's just not possible. Each bottle is going to be a little different. And even in the middle of the year, we may have to switch it up a little bit. I think people like that though. Yeah. I was about to say, yeah, exactly. It's a living, it's a living, breathing product. I mean, it's so cool. It's so wonderful. Well, I actually wanted to ask, so you got into olive oil because you were cooking with so much olive oil and obviously it was creating these stomach problems. Were you also cooking like when you, when you and your partner started cooking, were you also using butter? Were you using other oils? Were you using ghee? Like, or was olive oil sort of like the one thing that you guys were, I don't know. Olive oil was the one thing at the time. And it's crazy because Brightland is around two years old and we get so many um, emails and notes from customers being like, oh, I had digestion issues, but I read that your founder um, also did. And so I wanted to give your oil a chance and it changed my, like, it like removed my stomach aches or like whatever. And so that's been really interesting too. Wow. 
What a pro tip, you know, is like, I think right now there are so many people who are trying elimination diets. I think as we've seen sort of in the last six, seven years, a lot of people are having digestion issues and they're cutting out things and being like, oh, it must be gluten. It must be gluten. Like there's no way it could be anything, but it's gluten or dairy. It's gluten or dairy. (laughs) And suddenly this thing of being like, there could also just be something altogether different that we've been trained to think is healthy that like the version that you've been eating is is actually fundamentally unhealthy. That's such a, that's like a really important PSA. It is. And I think like the other thing that I, I think about is that I think we've also sometimes like complicated things, like adding so much to our diets from like a supplement or like powders and mixes. Okay. That is wonderful, I'm sure. But sometimes I'm like, maybe just try to simplify, you know, yes. like there's nothing like, you know, some vegetables, some like healthy grains if you want to include that and like Mm -hmm. good sort of um pantry essentials and you're pretty good to go from a health kind of like the mediterranean diet you know yeah so you started cooking when all this happened how what's how are you how's your cooking now a pandemic so that of course like my entire social life sort of disappeared and all the dinners and things like that now it's like at home but I also think with Brightland, I've just sort of like appreciated cooking more. And because we do share so many recipes, like I always want to try the recipes that we share. We brought on a chef in residence and she makes, oh my God, like we're talking about December. And she was like, what if we do olive oil baklava with, you know, walnuts and orange blossom honey? Like, I mean, just oh. un- unbelievable stuff. And so um, I yeah. feel really lucky and I'm like, okay you know, she creates these recipes or, you know, we have so many people who share recipes with us. I want to like make that and and, and do that. And so that's like a, a source of joy, but I think I'm like tired of doing dishes. Oh my God. Yes. We're all so tired. Hi. The other day I just, <laughs> I literally came in and I was sitting with my parents and I was like, we've just been through so much this year. I'm just like, I'm tired of doing dishes and eating my own food. Like I'm so tired of eating my own fucking food. And I think cooking at home is such, of course, it's such a wonderful thing. The entire point of this podcast, but yes, (laughs) after these months, it's like, we just all want to sit at a table with 15 other people in the middle of a city and not be scared and like eat someone else's food. You know? Yes. If you're hosting, are there certain dishes that you love to cook? Are there, do you have like a thing that you always cook when you're having people over? I feel like it sounds like you're actually quite an adventurous cook if you're making all of the dishes that the chef on staff is making, but what do you love to cook for yourself? I definitely am like a staple person when people come over. Like I do it because you just know there are like crowd pleasers, you know? So I mean, I love doing like, honestly, like for simple dinners, it's like, sheet pan feta with um, lots of veggies, chop up like you do lemon basically. And so it has like this lemony and it includes the rind. And so you roast all of that together mm-hmm. and then you layer it and fold it into some orzo. That's like a really nice like crowd pleaser. Oh, I love that. Um, sounds so good right now. It's such a good crowd, crowd pleaser. Jeweled rice is such a good crowd pleaser. What's jeweled of, like, rice? It's like... Um, a lot of like pomegranates, nuts. You do like a blend of a couple of different types of rices. It's really, really lovely. Um, that's really good. And then I love doing a lot of like, like baked, you know, baked brie. Um, let's do like 
blue cheese with mango chutney pastry bites. Mm. Like oh. That easy, but then people are just like, whoa, this is so good. Yes. <laughs> So as a vegetarian, are you, do you sort of have like a formula of what you like to eat? And when people come over, how you like to cook in terms of like, I always have a grain and then like a salad or, you know, a hot dish, a cold dish. What's your formula if you have one? Formula is yes. It's very much like something at the table for when people get there. So there's like warm olives. There could be like um, Moroccan spiced nuts. So something that has taken a little more thought than like just grabbing, you know, chips and throwing it in a bowl. Um, So a couple of those things. So while you're snacking and like drinking some wine, and then there's usually a rice or grain sort of dish. There's vegetables. There's some sort of like freshness. So either if it's a salad or, you know, when the weather gets colder, you don't necessarily feel like eating a cold salad. So even if it's a warm, like with the jeweled rice, I would add a lot of herbs on top. So like a mix of parsley, dill, cilantro, and basil all on there and, and, um, chives. So, um, that's very much a part of it. And then I like starches. So like some sort of sweet potato, crispy smashed potatoes, like some potato thing happening. Mm -hmm. And then I have a big sweet tooth. So dessert is like always on. Do you have like one particular dessert that you'll whip up or you mango pie, a mango pie. Oh my God. Tell us everything. It's mango pulp and you use a, you can use a graham cracker crust. Yeah. Graham cracker. Like it's so good. Wow. My other go-to is usually like olive oil brownies and they're just like much more like gooey and sort of um, moist and dense because of the olive oil. And they're quite, quite luscious and tasty. Ooh. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow wherever you are. Tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Can we like take a little minute and talk about vinegar for a second? Because what was your relationship with vinegar before starting Brightland? Did vinegar sort of like shoot out as like, well, it's the, it's salt and pepper, it's oil and vinegar. Oh my God, we have to. And then like, oh my God, I mean, just vinegar. How wonderful is a vinegar? And so how did you decide to do a balsamic? I mean, balsamic, I feel like that's like kind of a given, but champagne vinegar with California citrus is so exciting. How did you do that? Also, I want to know all about how they ferment it with citrus. It's such a crazy thing. It's so cool. Hit me with it. (laughs) I had been um, using a lot of vinegar for pastas and for salads, like since the start of my cooking days Mm -hmm. Um, and had felt like it, it was missing in quality, but again, was sort of like, yeah, but it's cheap and, you know, don't want to think about it too much. But I was always like, one of my favorite things to eat, um, actually like in college was like spaghetti with balsamic and that's it. And I was like, yeah, you have like a real acid, like you like an acid bomb. Acid. I think that's why I love like the lemon and roast veggies. Like I love, um, splashing acid and just the the tanginess. So, Mm -hmm. um, 
it was, it was living there, you know, my relationship right. with vinegar, but then with Brightland, I mean, one, yes, there's the like salt and pepper, like the, the relationship between oil and vinegar. But the other thing was we kept getting inquiries from customers being like, Hey, is there a vinegar that you recommend? Because the store-bought stuff against your oil just doesn't seem to pair well because that feels like it's not as good quality. Is there right. another one? So that was one thing. And then the second was we started like, we were like, okay, there might be something here. So we started doing some research, found out again that there's like a lot of additives and most people don't use fresh fruit. If it's a fruit vinegar in any kind of way, they use some sort of like fruit concentrate or it's like flavor. And mm-hmm. so the more research we did on that front, I was like, okay, the vinegars that have the best kind of digestion benefits and all the benefits that vinegar has are the ones that are properly like double fermented and raw. And most vinegars at the store aren't raw because um, people get spooked by like the kind of the scoby looking like the yeah. stuff at the bottom. So that's the only reason they're like, okay, well, people don't like that. They think that's bad. So we're just not even going to include that. But if it's a raw vinegar, it has more benefits. So all that to say, it was like that education led 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 us to say all right maybe there's something here so we started talking to vinegar makers and this time we talked to vinegar makers across the country we talked to folks in virginia in new york in portland in california and ultimately we ended up for these two vinegars to launch with we went with a farm that's 10 minutes from our olive oil farm Mm. which was like really crazy and it's a husband and wife and they have blackberries on their farm and they have oranges and all this fruit and that's what they use and then they use california grapes from a winery that they're friendly with up north and so i just thought that that story was really lovely and like again super small batch but they're able to small batch but i mean we've sold thousands of bottles and they're able to like keep up. So that's pretty awesome too, to see. So that was the, that was sort of the the genesis for it. And of course we did all this in the pandemic because we started, you know, like developing and kind of saying, okay, we want to do this in January of this year. And then we came out with it in July. So like through the pandemic, we were like, you know, not, I've never met them like, you know, and mailing samples wow. and mailing tasting and like doing all that stuff. Oh my gosh. Oh my and the bottle and the packaging and oh my God, I can keep keep going. <laughs> so the bottles themselves, they are so beautiful. And I know you guys, like, as you're just saying, worked super hard. I've also been so impressed by the website and kind of the community feel of Brightland. Cause usually it's just like, here's your olive oil. It's I hope it's good, you know, but there's just such a lovely, I, I, when I opened up my first box and got the little recipe pamphlet, I mean, I thought I had that on my fridge forever before. I mean, it was just there until we moved. You just tell how much integrity that you have and the company has, because you didn't have to do that. And you did, and you're making it about so much more besides the product. That is so wonderful to hear that it comes through because we think about that and try to execute on that every single day. And sometimes, you know, you wonder like, does anyone even see it? Because people, there are so many brands and people are like, you know, living their lives and moving quickly. So sometimes you're like, does anyone even see? So it's so wonderful to hear that it came through for you. Oh, for sure. It makes my day. But I think like the way that we think about everything is how does this make someone feel? So it's super Mm -hmm. emotion led 
everything, like from a piece of paper to the packaging, to the actual bottle, to like the site, to the photography. We don't ever want it to just be like blanding. There's a new term in the brand world called being a bland, you know, instead of a brand. Oh my God, that's genius. It means being a bland bland. brand. Yeah. So it's important to you basically to not be a bland. Exactly. (laughs) Yes. I mean, it's interesting with all of these companies now where it's like the way in which we consume things is so different from how it used to be. And in a way, actually, we're so lucky that this pandemic has hit at a time where you do have access to the things that you love and the things that you need where you don't actually have to go to the store. But it must be a strange thing to be like, wow, yeah, how are we going to convey the entirety of this experience when we're not actually going to be interfacing with our customers face-to-face, you know, it's just all the time because when we were doing any sort of events or dinners or like tastings, it was such a different experience because they would hear it coming from a human and then they would taste the product. They're just interacting with the entire brand in a different way. And so then to like have us, how do I explain the integrity of the product and the brand on a site when everyone else is saying the same thing? Well, I think one great thing you guys do just when on your website, the recipe uh, tab, there's just such a variety uh, of recipes. All I mean, I'm talking like savory, sweet, but just like globally drinks. too. Yeah. Drinks. Oh my God. I've been thinking about vinegar shrubs a lot. Yeah. So it's like automatically your brain is kind of firing because you're like, oh, whoa, I was just expecting like some some pastas, you know? Mm-hmm. You should put the balsamic pasta on there. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. From our founder. Cover with balsamic. Go Lord. Yes. (laughs) What are some of your favorite ways to use olive oil that are unexpected? I actually, my lately, my like cozy food has been this, um, this rigatoni, like spicy tomato rigatoni. And in that, you're blending both olive oil and butter together. Mm. And so I actually think that's a very underrated combination of using both olive oil and butter at the same time. So personally, cause I've always been like, you either use one or the other. So personally I'm having a blast with the flavors that come from that. And it's just mm-hmm. like outstanding. I mean, I think something that I was doing a couple of winters ago was drizzling a lot of olive oil and pairing it with figs and chocolate ice cream. Oh, and have, like, a little bit of port on top. Uh, so, like, outrageous and really tasty. Yeah. That's wow. Incredible. Wow. This is really, really I good. mean. <laughs> and then for like holiday cooking, um, olive oil cornbread, using olive oil in your mashed potatoes. Mm, that's really great delightful. Idea. So I actually have a question about this because some of, of course, there are certain recipes that require like a quarter cup, a third a cup of olive oil, where like Ari and I made an orange olive oil cake for a video that we did over the summer, which I'm like, when was that again? You know, and like, it requires a lot of olive oil and obviously your olive oil is tremendous. And it also is a slightly higher price point than obviously what you're going to get in a supermarket because it has a lot of thought put into it. It's an excellent olive oil. So where do you fall on the sort of like you know, if I can't afford to like use a whole bottle of Brightland to make this recipe, what do you recommend? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a good question. I mean, I would say in that instance, it would be 
maybe try using coconut oil if that can make sense, incorporating butter if and when you can. Yeah, I mean, I think like one nice thing about Brightland is that less is more in Mm -hmm. some way. Like you don't need as much olive oil in a lot of like salads or things like that. And you can still get that punchy, like you get a lot of flavor. So um, a little bit can go a long way is sort of how I, I think about it. I'm actually also a big fan of mixing oils. Like if you have a really green, really vibrant olive oil, you can also mix it with a neutral oil and you know that those olive notes are still going to come through, but you don't have to necessarily use as much of it. Cause I do think a lot of people think about that when they're buying, you know, something that is a a more premium product is like, I want to have this, but I also want it to last for longer. I would love to cook with this, but I have to use it more as like a drizzling oil or whatever. So I think you're right that you can use less of it and more of the flavor comes through. It's frustrating from a pricing standpoint, you know, because like, because we work with small farms who don't get subsidies and we work with American farmers who pay above fair wages. That is why we're priced where we are. Like Mm -hmm. if we were to get our olives from like Chile or Argentina or even Spain or Italy, we'd actually be a different price point. And of course, Mm -hmm. if we were to buy old oil from the farms, we could be at a very, um, reason, like very reasonable price. It's a struggle. And it's something that, you know, I would love one day for that to get solved. Right. It's, I think it is that hard thing of like, once people realize that a lot of the things that are on the shelf have fillers in them, have things that are bad for you in them, it will be like, okay, that's actually a place that it's worth it for me to spend money. Exactly. You know, as opposed to there's enough consumer awareness that one day there's some like you know, bigger push towards making sure that even those products on the shelf have more integrity. And so that way, then the price overall can come come down a little bit for the things that do. But I think it's very much like a race to the bottom right now, pricing wise, because if it's bad, then like you can price it at a very low, low price. So complicated, but but Yeah. yeah. We've talked about olive oil in a lot of different ways to eat, but what about for the face, for the hair? Yeah, I think, um, I mean, we get a lot of feedback from customers who use it as like a cuticle thing, Mm. dry hands, a little bit on their face, a little bit in hair. And so, you know, it was, it was something that the Greeks and the Romans really like bathed in olive oil. So yeah, thousands of years ago. So I think you can't really go wrong with it. Yeah. Maybe for how incredible your skin would be if you bathed in olive oil. I mean, that's probably, that's my dream. Well, Sophie, we have a friend, uh, another actor. He puts it on his skin. Yep. That's he, he is, he looks like a Greek God, but he, that's That's the secret. That's the, yes. (laughs) He used to look look like a troll. Now he looks (laughs) like a Greek God. (laughs) You should have seen him before. (laughs) Before and after video. (laughs) Oh my God. That's hysterical. There are so many health benefits associated with it. And that includes it being excellent for your skin. I'm going to go take some shots of olive oil. (laughs) Um, Well, for having me. Yeah, go ahead. We have to ask one final question that we ask all of our guests. Sometimes we forget, like we were about to just now. If you were stuck on a desert island and you could only have one kind of chip, what would it be? The Texan in me says tortilla. Ooh. Are you going straight up tortilla? Are you going Tostitos? Are you going homemade tortilla? Like that's a big field to, to Ari and I. 
I'm talking like Mexican restaurant style. Mm -hmm. Yes. Tortilla chip because I may discover on that island some pineapple and tomato and I can whip together exactly some pico or some salsa or avocado and make a guac and call it a day. I'll be pretty good. That's a great answer. How fabulous. I can't wait to try her olive oils because I haven't had them yet. Yeah, you are really in for a treat. And so are all of our listeners. You guys really should order it. It's, you know, it's not it's not the most expensive olive oil. It's not the cheapest olive oil, but it's just so worth it. The flavor is, it's incomparable. I mean, I feel like a good PSA that she gave, which I'm just going to reiterate right now, is like, whether you're buying Brightland or not, like you should obviously absolutely try it, but like the make sure that you are using high quality olive oil because it's different for your body. It's different for your food. It's a wonderful industry also to be supporting like good olive oil. So mm-hmm. I do think, you know, making sure that you're getting high quality stuff and not getting stuff that is full of fillers. That's going to, you know, screw up your system. So thank you so much for coming on. Thank you to Sarah for hooking us up with Ashwarya. Thank you to Colin, of course, as always, as ever. Colin, do you even like listen to us when we say this at this point? Are you like, I'm sick of being thanked? I hope you're not. No, (laughs) he just goes to sleep every night. So happy. (laughs) So much love. Um, thank you guys for listening and, uh, we will see you at chip hour Wednesday, 6 PM Eastern time. And we'll see you next week. Ciao. Bye. This is the story of the one as head of maintenance at a concert hall. He knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.